0: Well, hey, church family, thank you so much for joining us today. You know, we really hope that this message encourages you and blesses your life. Now, before you hear this powerful teaching, I want to encourage you to share this message with someone who needs to hear the gospel. You never know what this message can do in the life of that person. Also, I want you to know that wherever you're watching us from, you can still impact the lives of others through your giving. You see, it is through your generosity that we can keep pushing the kingdom of God forward in our city and reach those who so desperately need Christ. Giving is safe and simple. You can use our CF Miami app or you can go to cfmiami.org give and there follow the instructions. Well, God bless you all. I hope you really enjoy this message. Praise God. Amen. 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 Praise God. Well, we want to welcome you to Christ Fellowship, God's church. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Welcome to our church. My name is Carlos, and I serve as the executive pastor here and part of our teaching team as well. And if you're joining us at one of our campuses, West Kendall, Doral, Homestead, Redland, Coral Gables, downtown, if you're watching us online, we want to welcome you to Christ Fellowship. Thank you so much for joining us today at Christ Fellowship, Palmetto Way. Can we give it up for them as loud as you can? Amen. And we've been going through... Uh, The book of Ecclesiastes, we're going through this series that we've entitled Chasing Wind. And it's been amazing. Uh, Pastor Omar has done an amazing job just leading us through this book. And so if you have your Bibles, you can open them up to Ecclesiastes chapter 2. We're going to begin in verse 18. If you don't have your Bibles, all the verses will come up on the screen. And here's what the Word of God says. This is Solomon writing, King Solomon. This is at the end of his life. And he says, I hated all my toil. All the translations say, all my hard work in which i toil under the sun seeing that i must leave it to the man who will come after me and who knows whether he will be wise or a fool yet he will be a master of all for which i toiled which i worked hard for and use my wisdom under the sun this also is vanity amen you can have a seat now at all of our campuses and you know i was born and raised in the city of miami and I lived in North Carolina for a couple years as well. uh, But one of my most fondest memories as a child was on the weekends uh, watching a movie with my family and enjoying a good slice of pizza. And uh, before the days of Netflix, uh, before the days of Amazon Prime and Hulu and uh, YouTube TV, even before the days of Redbox where you would go to the Publix and get a movie there... There was this really well-known video store by the name of Blockbuster Video. How many of you remember that? All our students are like, what are you talking about? You know, I used to love going to Blockbuster Video. I remember there was one on Bird Road in 107, right by the house that I lived in, and there was a Pizza Hut right there in the same shopping center. And when I would walk into Blockbuster, I remember getting my first card, my Blockbuster card. Do you remember that? Put it in my wallet. I thought I was the coolest young guy ever. And I remember that I was always rushed into the new release section. And you were looking for the movie that you wanted to rent. And it had all these different movie covers and the way that you discovered if your movie was available is that behind the cover you needed to find the blockbuster box yeah and if this wasn't behind there then that meant that the movie wasn't available so guess what you would have to what i would do is that after that i would rush to the counter and i would look at the dropbox section hoping that my movie was just dropped off like terminator or titanic whatever movie we were going to watch Or probably there on the counter before it made its way to the shelf. And so one of my greatest memories as a child was Blockbuster Video. And it was a big, big deal. In fact, in 2004, Blockbuster expanded so much that there were 9,094 locations all across the world. It had 84,300 employees and $6 billion worth of revenue. Now I thought... And as a boy, I'm like, Blockbuster is always going to exist. We're always going to watch a movie. We're going to go to Blockbuster. We're going to have a cool experience, enjoy that good popcorn, and go watch a movie. But little did I know that less than 20 years later, what was this empire, this kingdom of 9,094 locations, now the corporation no longer exists. Yeah, there's one store in Ben Oregon, which is a novelty, but it's not even the corporation, the company does not exist. But here's the thing, church family, think about all the money and effort, the energy that they spent in promoting and marketing, all the hard work that was placed to build this company that is not long lasting and less than 20 years later, no longer exists. In other words, you can say it was almost meaningless to work so hard. Now, let me bring all of that over to our time together. Because church family, do not miss the point in all of this story. Because oftentimes in life, we can spend our entire day, our entire week, all of our lives working hard, chasing hard work, placing all of our effort, placing all of our energy, all of our time, all of our money trying to succeed and have more and more in life. And chasing hard work is not long-lasting and so with that being said, this is our big idea for this weekend. Only chasing hard work will lead to a meaningless life. Only chasing hard work will lead to a meaningless life. And who knows, maybe you're here today and you're like, Pastor Carlos, that's me. I spend my entire day, my entire life devoted, concerned, consumed, burdened, with my job, burden with my company, burden with my business, burden with my organization, and that is me. What do you mean that only chasing hard work will lead to a meaningless life? And how do I know that I'm falling into that trap? Well, we're going to find out today as we go through this passage in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 18. And so if you have your listening guys, your notes, make sure you take out your Christ Fellowship app. We love to take notes here. And so this is the first point that I want you to write down today only chasing hard work will lead to an unsatisfied life Amen. lead to an unsatisfied life look at what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 2 let me take us back I hated with so me, hated Hate it. I hated all my toil all my hard work in which I toil under the Sun seeing that I must leave it to a man who will come after me now let me give us a little bit of context to set up our time today because we've been going through the book of Ecclesiastes And it was written by King Solomon. And King Solomon is known to be the wisest man on earth after Jesus Christ. And King Solomon is at the end of his life. This is his last season here on earth. He's about to die. He's an old man. And Bible scholars believe that this is actually like a repentance of King Solomon. And so King Solomon is sharing with us his regrets and some of the mistakes that he made in life so that we can learn from his mistakes. And King Solomon, he achieved a lot of greatness. He was able to build an empire. In fact, the first temple of Jerusalem was built by King Solomon. He oversaw the project, and it lasted about seven years. He built his palace, which lasted about 13 years. So he spent a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of effort building and working hard. It was all very laborious, and it was very taxing for him. In fact, if you want to make it a little bit 2022, He oversaw the project that lasted about seven years of building the first temple that is known as Solomon's Temple. Think about all the meetings that he had to go to. Think about all the emails that he had to respond. Think about the time that he spent in the boardroom strategizing and thinking through planning. Here's how the temple should look like. Here's where you worship. Here's where you present your sacrifice. Think about all the stuff that he had to do to oversee these projects. And so now Solomon is writing the book of Ecclesiastes inspired by God, and he's saying, Listen, I hated all my hard work. Hate is a strong word. He hated all the time that he spent working hard. He is unsatisfied with life, he's discontent with life. In fact, if you read the book of Ecclesiastes, it almost has like a depressive tone. It's almost like he's depressed, he's lonely. My life, I I didn't do nothing with my life. I spent all my time, all my energy, all my days working hard. And the reason why chasing, only chasing hard work is meaningless, because I want you to write this down as your next point, is because it's not long-lasting. It's not long-lasting. It's fleeting. Look at what the passage says in Ecclesiastes 2, verse 18. I hated all my toil in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me, and who knows whether he will be wise or a fool. Solomon is saying, listen, I worked hard for everything that I have, and I can't take my stuff with me. Once I die, all my stuff, all my wealth, all the possessions that I acquired here on earth is gonna stay here, and who knows what's gonna happen once I leave. If the person that inherits my stuff Is is wise with it, or is a fool? Now we learned last week that Solomon had seven hundred wives, which meant he had a lot of children. And Solomon didn't even know all his children. The Bible only speaks about three of them. So actually, this passage here, Solomon had no idea, but it was actually a prophetic passage, because what Solomon writes here would actually take place. His concern about a a fool inheriting his stuff would actually take place. Because the Bible talks about that when Solomon died, one of his sons by the name of Rehoboam would actually take, would inherit the kingdom. And if Solomon is known as one of the wisest, as the wisest man on earth, his son Rehoboam was known as one of the most foolish men on earth. Solomon had built this successful regime this kingdom that was powerful, that had a lot of money and authority and ruled over all people. He had built this powerful kingdom. Here comes his son, Little Ray, takes over his stuff, decimates, squanders the things that his dad had built for, makes a bunch of foolish mistakes, and this powerful regime, this powerful kingdom, would be split into smaller entities that were weak and struggling. When you leave, You have no idea what's going to happen with all the stuff that you worked so hard for, whether that person is going to be wise or a fool. Maybe if Solomon would have spent more time investing on his children, maybe his son Rehoboam would have not been a fool and would have been wiser To be able to steward the stuff that his dad had worked so hard for. But because he had worked so much of his life, he neglected his children and his family. So chasing hard work is meaningless because it's not long-lasting. And here's the next point that I want you to write down. It's so important. Chasing hard work is produced by a lack of contentment. Look at what the Bible says Ecclesiastes chapter 4. He's still talking about hard work. In fact, he spends 46 verses talking about hard work. And he, here's what he says. Then I saw that all toil, all hard work, and all skill and work come from a man's what? En- Envy of his neighbor. Wow. This also is vanity and a striving after a win. In other words, Solomon is saying, listen, the reason why you want to work so much The reason why you spend so much energy and time working extra hours, overtime, in the office, having two jobs, is because you envy what your neighbor has. You covet, you are jealous of what they have. See, oftentimes, we are content with the home that we have until we go to our friend's house. We're like, oh, my gosh, they upgraded their kitchen and their floors and their living room. And their landscaping looks amazing. I got to do that to my house now. Your co- co-worker bought a new pair of shoes and you have 42 pairs of shoes, but because they bought a pair of shoes, now I need to buy another pair of shoes. And it needs to be Gucci because the other brand is not good enough. They just bought a brand new car and now you're not content with the car, gar- car that God has blessed you with. Comparison is a thief of joy. Oh, you guys woke up now. Praise God. Come on, give Jesus a shout of praise. I know you guys are a little cold today. I know, I know. Trying to stay warm as well. I get it. Comparison is a thief of joy. And so Solomon is saying, listen, the reason why oftentimes in life we chase hard work is because we want what someone else has. But here's what I want you to understand, that this passage is so powerful because the Apostle Paul writes to Timothy, and he says, listen, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain for we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world but if we have food and clothing with these we will be content here's what i want you to know child of god if you're a follower of jesus if you are a disciple of christ If you trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, here's what I want you to know. Allow the message of the gospel to permeate your thoughts and your mind and your heart when you understand that the Lord of lords, the king of kings, the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, came down to live a perfect life, died a death that he did not deserve to forgive you, not from some of your sins, not from a few of your sins, but every single one of your sins. And those who trust in him have eternal life. When you understand that, you can find contentment in Jesus. So when you go to your best friend's home and they have a bigger home than you, you say, God bless you. Praise God. I'm glad that God blessed you with a home. I am content with the home that God has given me. When you go into your car and someone else has a better car, God bless you. Don't covet what they have. Don't desire what they have, but be, listen, I'm content in Christ because those things are are not what are going to bring me fulfillment and satisfaction and purpose. Only Jesus Christ can bring me true satisfaction, true purpose, true forgiveness, true love, true joy. Comparison is a thief of joy. So Solomon is saying, listen. The reason why oftentimes we work hard, chase hard work, is because we want what someone else has. But I know what some of you are thinking, Pastor Carlos, I got bills to pay. I have a family to feed. I have a mortgage to cover. I got to work hard. I have to grind. Miami's a beautiful city, but it's expensive. I mean, I love Miami. Listen. This cold weather is awesome. We don't have to deal with snow. I lived in North Carolina for six months, every single morning, went outside, turned on my car, had to warm up for about 20 minutes, go back inside the house. Snow is beautiful for a day. Then it turns into black ice. And it's evil, ungodly, oh. If you've ever dealt with black eyes, I've slipped so many times when I lived in North Carolina, I mean, that thing just gets you and you can't even see it, awful. So I love Miami, but it is an expensive city. Real estate is expensive. My wife sent me a picture of this the other day. She said, listen, that's how it feels in Miami, right? We're never gonna buy a home here, babe. So I get it. I gotta work hard, pastor. I got to pay the bills. I got to chase hard work. Here's what I want you to understand. It's so important that we get this. Working is not a bad thing. Working is a God thing. God is the author and creator of work. Because oftentimes Christians have a wrong theological view of this idea of work. God created work. Some Christians will say, well, I have to work hard because Adam and Eve sinned against God, and it's a consequence of sin. It's one of the curses of sin. No, 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 no. Listen, listen, look what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 2 before Adam and Eve sinned against God. They sinned against God in Genesis chapter 3. That's the fall of man. Genesis chapter 2 verse 15. Look at what the Bible says. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to hang out to drink some mimosas, nope. to grab some grapes and do wine, uh-uh. make some wine. No. He gets Adam and Eve, and look what the Bible says. He put him in the garden of Eden to work it. Say it with me, work it. work it. Tell the person next to you, work it. Work it. To work it and keep it. In other words, this is before the fall of man, God takes Adam and Eve and he says, listen, I'm going to put you in this garden, not so you can just hang out and chill and look pretty and look cool and watch Netflix. No, you're going to go into this garden so that you can work it, maintain it, protect it, cultivate it. And if you've ever done any garden work, you know, that's laborious and it's very extensive, intense. It can be very intense. So he puts him in the garden. So working is not a bad thing. It is a God thing. God created work. In fact, Solomon says in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 24, he says, find enjoyment in your work. Find enjoyment in the things that you do, that you work. One of the things that people will ask Shawnee and I, they say, pastor, pastor, what do you want your children to be when they grow up? Do you, do you want them to be pastors when they grow up? And one of the things that Shawnee and I always say, we listen, we don't want to place that expectation on them. If God calls them to full-time ministry, praise God. But what I do say is our prayer, what we pray about every single day, is that they fear the Lord, that they serve God, that, they, yeah. that they're believers of Jesus. And the second thing that we always say is that we want them to be industrious, to work hard and to be diligent. I'm not raising lazy children. Mm-mm. Not in our home. Why? Because if they work hard, they're diligent, and they're industrious, whatever career path they take, They're probably going to do well and steward what God has given them in this time well. The Bible speaks about this a lot in Proverbs. The diligent will will prosper. If you work hard, things are going to go well for you. And so it speaks a lot about this. In fact, this is not a message on singleness. But if you're single here today and you're dating someone or you're looking for someone, make sure they work. (laughs) Oh, but Pastor Carlos, they're so cute, and they're so nice and so sweet, and they love Jesus. They haven't had a job for about 13 months, but it's okay, they're, they're gonna find a job. He has potential, potential to be lazy. Find a, someone that's gonna work. Working is not a bad thing, it's a God thing. The problem is, when a good thing becomes a, the ultimate thing, it has become a destructive thing. And I don't have to tell you, we live in a culture, we live in a society, we live in a world, we live in a nation that idolizes, that is obsessed, infatuated with this idea of work. All about the hustle, all about the grind, all about chasing hard work. We are infatuated and obsessed with it. And here's the problem, and I want you to write this down as your next point because it's so important that you understand this. Working is about building a living. You work hard, you buy a home. You work hard, you buy another car. You work hard, you invest into property. It's about building a living. Listen, don't just live only for a living. Live to build a legacy. Amen. Live not only for a living, live to build a legacy. So here's how this works. When you live to build a living, you say, ah, I got to work more hours because I need to get that promotion, and I want my boss to love me and to to like me, and so I want to do well, and so I got to compete with other people, and I need to do everything I can, so I need to work more, I need to have more meetings, I need to make more phone calls, I need to spend more time in the boardroom. That's living to build a living. Living to build a legacy says, wait a minute, no, 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 no. I have worked enough. I did my part. Whether or not I get the promotion or not, God is in control, and I'm going to trust him. And so rather than spending more time in the boardroom, I need to spend more time in the family room to invest in my wife and my children and spend some quality time with them because I did my part. That's living to build a legacy. Living to build a living says, oh, sweetie, we have to upgrade our kitchen because everyone else is doing it. And we need the new baseboards, and wood trims, and stainless steel appliances, and the appliances that when you go to the faucet, it turns on by itself with a switch, (laughs) or you just snap your fingers and everything's just turning on and off. We need all that, and new floors, and new landscaping. And because of that, I need to get another job, a side gig, a side hustle, I need to work on the weekends, because we can't afford the upgrade. Living to build living. Living to build a legacy says, wait a minute, no. I'm not going to get another job on the weekends. I'm not going to get a side gig or side hustle because on Sundays, it's not the time for me to work, but on Sundays is the time for me and my family to come to church together and to worship Jesus together because there's nothing better than gathering the saints and singing songs, worship, and hearing a message that's going to transform me and infuse hope to me. So the kitchen upgrade will wait. Wait. Time out on that, because I'm not going to live to build a living. I'm going to live to build a legacy. Husbands, fathers, living to build a living says, I worked from 7 a.m. to 7 in the evening, meeting after meeting. I had to deal with these sales and had to go to different offices, and I've had a long, long day. I did my part, babe. I'm the provider here. I'm the one that's supplementing all the income here, so I did my part. I'm exhausted, I'm tired, I'm burdened, I'm stressed out. So when I get home, babe, children, time out, I need my time. I'm going to be in the family room, watching Sports Center, PTI, and just watching TV because I did my part. Living to build a living, living to build a legacy says, listen, I'm exhausted. I'm tired, I'm stressed out, but when I get home, I'm going to leverage my energy and my emotions to be able to invest in my children and my wife and serve her and take my children a bath and put them to sleep, read them of the Bible, pray with them, Living to build a legacy? So my question for you today at all of our campuses, are you living to build a living? Or, are you living to build? A legacy Hmm. are you living to build a living or are you living to build a legacy because here's the thing when you live to build a living it's all about production you are what you produce you are the sales that you make you are the businesses you have it's all about production living to build a legacy it's all about people Living to build a living, it's all about production. Living to build a legacy, it's all about people and the way that you love people, the way that you care for people, the way that you invest them. I want you to write this down as your next point. You build a legacy by serving others. By serving others. Look at what Jesus Christ says. This is before he dies on the cross to forgive us from our sins. He gathers his disciples, and they're having a competition. They're trying to compete with each other. I want to be great. I want to be the number one. I want to make it to the top. And Jesus says the following. Listen, 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 listen. Mark 10, chapter, chapter 10, verse 43. Whoever would be great among you must be your servants, and whoever, whoever would be first among you must be a slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus Christ tells his disciples, listen, if you want to live a great life, if you want to live a life of significance, if you want to live a life of success, you're called to serve other people. Jesus doesn't just say, hey, this is what serving means in the Greek. This is what serving means in the Hebrew. No, he models what it means to be a servant because the God of the universe the God who created you and I the God who created everything that we see and exist on this world the Lord of Lords the King of Kings the Alpha and the Omega came down from his celestial throne and came down to serve us not only did he die on the cross for our sins that's the message of the gospel it's a message that God served us but he washed his disciples feet The Bible says in John 13, before he goes to the cross, he gathers his disciples and he washes their feet. He serves them. Serving is a powerful thing. And you leave a legacy by serving your family well. Husbands, you want a healthy marriage? One of the most powerful things that you can tell your wife is, babe, how can I serve you? How can I help you? Is there anything that I can do to help you? Trust me, you do it, you're gonna thank me later. It's a powerful thing. Wives, the same way, serving is powerful. In fact, Martin Luther King, he said it really well. He said it Anyone can be great because anyone can serve. Anyone can be great because anyone can serve. You know, a couple weeks ago, we registered my son, Nathan, my middle son into a football league, flag football, and and he's excited about it. And about a week ago, actually two weeks ago, I received an email. They're like, parents, parents, uh, we need some volunteer coaches. Uh, We don't have enough coaches. And so any parents that would like to volunteer and serve as a coach for their team. And so when I read the email, I told my wife, I'm like, "Ah." I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm like, oh, man, I'm busy. I got a a lot going on on the weekends. I have church. I mean, we have three children. So I'm talking to my wife and... My son Nathan overhears that conversation. He's like, Dad, 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 I want you to be a coach for my team. So I'm all right, <laughs> I'm going to do it. So then I went last week. We had a meeting, and they gave us a T-shirt. There's a picture of me. I'm all excited and all stuff. You know, I'm going to become a, a, a coach and all that. But I started thinking to myself as I was driving back home, I don't know the strategies of flag football. I don't know the techniques, and here's how you juke, and here's how you move, and here's, you know, here's how you do play calling and all stuff. I I don't know those things. I've never done it before, but I started thinking to myself, wait a minute, no, wait a minute. Listen, that team of little boys, that team, that football team, that's going to be my mission field, and I'm going to serve them, and I'm going to instill in them, invest in them. Uh, teach them some good moral principles like integrity and being punctual and teamwork and working together, all these different things. I also want to find ways to pray for them, not only for them, but for their families, for their parents as well. So I started thinking, wait a minute, that's my mission field. I get to serve these kids. I get to point them in some way, not only to football, but to better things, and even Jesus too. I'm going to invite the parents to go to come to church. So I got really, really excited and pray for me because I've never done it before. So I don't. I'm going to have I'm going to need some a lot of prayer. Serving is a powerful thing. That's the reason why here at Christ Fellowship, one of our discipleship strategies, one of our uh, parts in our discipleship process, is connect to ministry because God has given every single one of you a unique gift, not for yourself, but to serve others in the church, connect uh, to ministry. And so you have an opportunity to serve others with the gifting that God has given you. Every single weekend at all of our campuses, we have hundreds of volunteers from our guest services, from our kids, our students, our young adults, production, worship, street team, parking team. They do an amazing job every single weekend to serve you. Can we encourage them today? Come on, let's clap it up at all of our campuses. We love our volunteers. Here's the thing when we serve, we're pointing people, we're connecting people to the source. The source is Jesus. Jesus is the source, but God uses us as a vessel to connect people to him. You know, now that I'm older, I do more garden work, and, and, uh, and so one of the things about gardening is that I have outside, I have two different water faucets, and the two different water faucets, only one of them has a water hose. Now, here's the thing. I was trying to put water in, uh, in the area by the other uh, water faucet, which didn't have the water hose, and so one of the things I quickly discovered is that when you turn on a water, right, the water faucet, it only, it's only going to pour water in that area. But the way that you get that source, the way that you get that water to other parts of your backyard is what? You need a water hose. Without the water hose, you can not take that water and pour that water into other parts of your yard. See, the hose is a vessel. It's not the source. The source is the water. But when you connect it, you're able to pour water into parts of your yard. Don't worry, I'm not going to spray you. I saw some of you like, oh, my gosh. I'm going to spray you. It's not connected. It's not connected. not connected to the source. Can I tell you that's the same way when you serve Jesus in a team? Every time that you serve in our kids' ministry, And you have those children and you're teaching them the gospel in a way that's tailored to them. And you're helping them in their growth in Jesus Christ. You are pouring water into their lives. Because you're connecting them to the source. When you serve in our student ministry and you have a group of teenagers and you're leading a small group. And they're questioning their identity should be in other people. They're placing their identity in other people. and, And a boyfriend and a girlfriend. And you're telling them, listen, listen, listen. Your identity does not be in other people. needs to be in jesus christ alone you are pouring water into their lives when you serve in our guest services team and you see someone that maybe looks discouraged discouraged sad upset maybe they've had a long day when you welcome them with a smile when you help them get connected into our venue and you sit them down you are putting water into their lives because god uses people to bless people jesus is the source but he allows us to be a part of what he's doing in the lives of other people. How many of you believe that today Amen. at all of our campuses? You build a legacy by serving others. And here's the amazing thing about serving other people. Serving has an eternal value. Amen. Serving has an eternal value. Look at what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 20. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Unlike Blockbuster, Blockbuster there were 9,094 locations less than 20 years ago and now it no longer exists. Unlike Blockbuster, the church of Christ will always exist. Always exists. Started about 2,000 years ago. Why? It has an eternal value in business. You hear the term ROI, return on investment. When you serve in the kingdom, there's an EROI, eternal return on investment. What you do is going to impact people for generations and generations. In 1934, in the state of North Carolina, outside of Charlotte, the city of Charlotte, in a small town. There were these revival services that were happening the entire week. Every single night, there was a white tent and people, the entire community would go to these revival services. It was outside, outdoors, very old school way. And it was completely packed with people. Two teenage boys decide they're like curious, man, what's going on there? I want to check it out. I want to see what's happening. Everyone's talking about this. There's a preacher preaching the gospel. They go into the place and they couldn't find a seat to sit down because it was completely full. So they decide to start walking out. And when the deciders start walking out, one of the ushers sees that and says, Hey, wait a minute, guys. Let me find a chair for you. So he gets the two boys and he leads them to one of the, to the chairs there. That day the boys are able to experience the message. The preacher's preaching. He does an altar call at the end. Salvation is found in no one else. Acts chapter 4, verse 12, but Jesus Christ alone. On that day, many people gave their life to Christ, and those two boys gave their life to Jesus amazing but here's something powerful that I want you to know one of them was Billy Graham one of them was Billy Graham one of the most well known evangelists and preachers of our time through his ministry God has saved 3.2 million people through the ministry and the preaching and the gifting and the service of Billy Graham Billy Graham has been in Gallup's most memorable men, 61 different times. God would have saved Billy Graham no matter what because God is sovereign. However, an usher was part of connecting him to the source oh come on when you serve Jesus there is an eternal value you are investing in the kingdom of Christ how many of you believe that today at all of our campuses come on give Jesus a loud shout of praise you are helping people get connected to the source and there's nothing more fulfilling there's nothing more purposeful than seeing people come to the ways of Jesus that's why I'm passionate about this when you serve Jesus saved my head. I connected that person to the source God I connected them to the source oh, damn. Oh, damn. so my question for you today is are you living to build a living are you living to build a legacy by serving others so here's what I want us to do right now I'm gonna challenge you today if you're a first-time guest you don't have to participate in this you can if you want but if you've been coming here for many weeks And you're not serving in one of our ministry teams. Here's what I want us to do at all of our campuses. I want you to take out that form right now that we gave you because it's ministry expo today. Take it out right now. You can wave it at me. Even if you don't do this, because I don't want you to do it because you have to. I don't want you to do it because you feel obligated to. I want you to do it because you get to. It's an opportunity, not an obligation. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to wave it at me really quick. Wave it at me at all of our campuses. I want you to take a moment right now and look through this. My challenge to you today is to fill this out. You're not signing your life away you don't have to serve every week you don't even have to serve every other week you can start once a month but take a step of obedience god did not call us to convenience he called us to obedience take that step today maybe you're like pastor carlos i have no idea what to do i don't know but i don't know just start somewhere i have no idea what i'm gonna do when i coach football for these kids but start somewhere So my encouragement to you today, my challenge to you is take a moment right now and fill this out. Our band is going to continue to play some music in this very moment. Take a moment, go through this, and at the end, our team is going to collect this. Just take a moment right now at all of our campuses, even if you're watching us online. Father God, we come before you, Lord, we thank you for this day, God. God, I pray that you help us to live, not for a living, but live for a legacy, God. Thank you, Lord, because you've called us to this mission, Lord. Thank you for your church. It's your church, God. We come before you, Lord, I thank you for everyone here today, God. Help us to walk in obedience and to trust you, Lord, and not to live for the things that are temporal, that are fleeting, that are not not long-lasting, but to live for the things that have eternal value. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed in this room, or if you're watching us online, or you're one of our campuses, maybe you're joining us for the first time today, or maybe you've been coming here for many weeks. And as I preached about chasing hard work, you're like, Pastor Carlos, that's me. I'm that person that's only chasing hard work in life. I spend my entire life devoted to my work life, to my organization, my business, my my company. And maybe you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. My friend, the Bible says in John 3:16, whoever, God loved the world so much that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. The word of God says in Romans 3:23, for we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None of us in here are perfect. We've all made mistakes. We are all imperfect people but we follow a perfect Savior. And today you have an opportunity to make a decision to follow Jesus Christ and to make him your Lord and your Savior. God's hand is never too short to save you from all of your sins. If you're making that decision today, I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. We're not going to put you in the spot. But I do want to know who you are so that we can pray for you. So there where you are, if you're making that decision, you're saying, Carlos, I want to make that decision to follow Jesus today, With no one looking, every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you to take a moment right now and lift up your hand as high as you can. Right at this moment, God bless you, ma'am, in the front. I see you. God bless you in the back. God bless you, sir. I see you. God bless you, ma'am, in the front. God bless you. God bless you in the back, sir. God bless you. Tons of hands being lifted. God bless you. God bless you. You can put your hand down. God bless you. God bless you. Even if you did not put your hand up, I'm gonna lead us in a prayer and it's not this prayer that saves you but rather the condition of your heart. You can pray this out loud, you can pray this in your mind or you can pray something similar. Father God, we just come before you and I recognize that I am a sinner in need of saving. Jesus, I believe that you died, you were buried and you were raised from the grave for my sins. And today, I repent from my own ways. I run away from my own life and I run to you. Be my Lord, be my Savior, be my best friend, be my everything. Thank you, Jesus. Write my name in the book of life. From this day forward, I will live for you and you alone. I will chase you rather than just chasing hard work. Thank you, Lord. It's in your holy and precious name that I pray. Amen and amen. Christ Fellowship, if you're excited for those that said that pray, why don't we give it up for them as loud as you can. God bless you. If you made that decision to follow Christ, make sure you go to our Next Steps area. We have a Bible that we want to give you today before you leave. And if you signed up for one of our ministries, make sure that you take that card and you take it to our ministry team expo. I love you guys. Stay warm. God bless you. Have an incredible day. God bless you.